the end of the academic year is almost upon us. For GCSE and A-level students, the worst is now over. Many have finished their courses and looking forward to a couple of extra weeks of the famous British summertime. However, for other year groups throughout secondary school, just over the horizon looms the prospect of end of year exams. Typically, schools use these as an introduction to the high stakes terminal exams they'll face later. They can also serve as a fantastic proving ground for how well our young people will get on with revision, or not. So maybe this is an opportunity for us to find out how best we can support them too. Hello, and welcome to the Study Sessions podcast. I'm Nathan, founder of The Study Buddy and your host. In this, our second season of the podcast, we're following six students as they head towards their GCSEs in 2021, or at least what was intended to be their 2021 exams. Each week, I catch up with these very different teams to see how things are going in a one-to-one coaching session. Then, with a panel of experts in our weekly podcast, we discuss some of the issues that come up. It could be broad things, such as motivation or managing mental health, or they could be quite focused, such as how best to revise for a specific subject. Now, these are normal teams, so you can be sure that we'll be covering topics that young people up and down the country will face. So, if you're a parent, a carer, or a teacher, be sure to subscribe. This week, we're looking at project management and how we might be able to apply it in supporting our teams. I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by Catherine Walker. Catherine is, I was going to say an old friend, but I'm going to rephrase that as a friend of many years standing. As well as being one of the most fabulous people I've ever had the pleasure of working with, Catherine is a formidable and highly sought after project manager. With qualifications and a wealth of experience in both traditional prints and more contemporary agile projects, Catherine has consulted on and managed multi-million pound projects for numerous multinational and blue chip companies. Catherine, thank you so much for joining me today. When we talk about projects, we might think of huge corporate or government initiatives that span multiple departments, cost a fortune and rarely stick to a timeline. The type of project that many are fortunate not to have to run. But actually, you might be more used to the idea of running a project than you think, even in your home lives. For example, think about first decorating the nursery all those years ago. In our minds, if not on paper, we'd have been aware of a deadline and set a budget, which may or may not have been stuck to, and we ordered and prioritised tasks. After all, there's no point painting the ceiling after you've laid the carpet. And yes, I am talking from personal experience. That, to all intents and purposes, is a project. We had an objective, we took the necessary steps to complete it to varying degrees of success. But when it comes to our children and their revision, we don't tend to approach supporting them in the same methodical way, despite the fact that time, tasks and resources are all factors. Catherine, have I gone too far? Is it a bit of a stretch to think about studying and revision as a project that can be managed? No, I don't think you've gone too far. There's certainly deliverables in revision. And yeah, I would say as a project manager, to address it as a project is probably the most sensible approach. 
I wouldn't say it's the same as working for a big corporate organisation because there are far fewer parties involved. And in many ways, revising is quite a solo activity. So I think I would approach it more as a startup or an entrepreneurial endeavour. So you say there are fewer people involved, but it's still not the case that you've only got the student, is there? Because as parents, we have a vested interest or a hand on the, the tiller, but also you've got the teachers as well, all have a role to play in, in how successful the student will be. Exactly. And I think we can't underestimate the peer pressure as well, which can be a positive influence. And depending on how your child is motivated, it could well be knowing what their peers are doing, knowing what subjects they're working on or how far they've advanced is a real motivator. Drawing on that question about motivation and the reasons to sort of get involved in studying here, but in, in projects in particular. I'm going to go out on a limb and presume that you've been involved in projects where participants haven't necessarily been enthused about what was going on around them, which I think for many of us is what will happen with our teens. What are the kinds of things that you might have called on to do to sort of encourage and engage those people? Absolutely. I think the first thing and the most important thing you can do in any project is work out well, work out who's in charge, I suppose, and who's paying the bill, but that may be not so relevant with revision because it's always the parents. Work out what the motivations are for doing it. And that's the same whether you're talking about a global bank or talking about asking your child to, to get their maths homework done. Why are they doing it? And they may not might not know, but I think it's definitely worth trying to tease this out. What is motivating them? Is it because they love the subjects? They want to prove to themselves how well they've done in it or they want to prove externally how well they're doing it? Is it because they're competitive with their peers and they want to do better than their best friend? Or is it that they have got some other motivation? They, they want to please you, maybe, or, or anything else, or they're working towards a goal which you as parents may have control over. And I think if you can get to the bottom of that, which may be different for different subjects, you know, you know your own child and you know how they feel, but that can be really used to help infuse them. And, and we all know if something's fun, it just doesn't feel as painful to do. And the sweet spot would be able to know how to motivate your child for each subject. I mean, easy to say, but much harder to do. Absolutely, especially as they get older and older into late teen. Then actually what we've heard from previous guests with the teenage brain is actually they're almost wired, I think, to rebel, to take risks and to do things that are contrary to what we might hope that they would do as parents. Exactly. And I think knowing that you have a rebel is also useful knowing, I mean, it's a risky strategy, but sometimes challenging them that they can't do something or that they're not going to be able to achieve something. It's hard, but sometimes it does work. It can be quite difficult for us as parents, can't it, that, that actually we're so used to doing and guiding our children almost sort of their daily minutiae into what they need to do next, getting up, washing clothes, all of these kinds of things, doing their homework. But there comes a point which I'd suggest is around about this GCSE age where we need to step back, I think, and, and let the children do more and more. Why is that such an important factor of getting them involved? Yeah, and it's so hard, isn't it, to watch someone struggle or to watch someone not know the answer when you can easily just shout out but they will be in the world by themselves when they're adults and we won't be there to support them and getting them used to this. And I'm not talking about it in a, in a tough love sort of way, but having ownership of making your own decisions and growing resilience, which is what all these things do, approaching a problem and, and finding the solution from within with guidance. I mean, they're not completely alone here, but just gives an amazing feeling of 
empowerment and confidence, which you would hope when they're out in the world or at university or when they don't have you to, to look to, they have these strategies that they've learned. It's just so hard to do. And especially if you're feeling maybe slightly guilty because you had to work and not been with your child or just want to help them. Yeah, it's easy to say and again, really hard to do. But the things that they will learn from trying and having a go and getting things wrong are so valuable. And they're life skills that we all need and all have and have all learned. And that difficulty you talk about there and the aspects of guilt, I think, which can be really hard to admit, but actually, certainly looking back, there was an element of that, that worked very hard, worked long hours. And so you do wonder whether or not you're doing enough. And I think as parents, that can be really, really, really tough. But as you say, I mean, we all approach this in different ways. There's no university of parenting. So so we work our own way through it and, and sort of know that we're making mistakes or, or not necessarily doing things as well as they could be. I'd like to come back to the idea of guidance that you talked about. As you said, this isn't tough love. We're not in a position now with exams coming up where we're saying to our offspring, right, you know what you need to do, go away and do it. We're actually talking here about giving them parameters or a guidance to you, to reuse your word, to help them to shape the right outcome for themselves. What are some of the core skills that project managers have that help them to help other people, I guess, to sort of self-determinate in this way? So we've already talked about motivation and accountability, which I think are two real, real drivers, but also more domestic things. What is better for your child? When do they prefer to study? When do they feel that they're at their best? What is their, I love this phrase, is power hour. The time you know yourself, if you're, you would prefer to do something in the morning that's tricky to do, something to do in the evening. And sort of encouraging your child to get to know themselves better. Do they prefer to revise with the radio on? Do they prefer to set themselves goals? Let's do it for 50 minutes and then go and watch TV or go outside and play football. How, how can we help them to employ all the strategies that we actually do ourselves? I remember my mum always used to say, I'm going to set the timer for 10 minutes. She was a teacher and I'm going to do some marking. And she would say, you know, the timer goes off and I'm so into what I'm doing that I'm able to then do it for however long it needed. But she would never have thought to herself, I'm going to sit down and do two hours marking. And I think those sorts of insights as adults are valuable, really valuable. And it's the way that we all juggle the ones we hate, the ones we love. If we can try and encourage our children to to know how they work and to know what their strengths are. Again, that's going to contribute to their confidence and sense of achievement. And it will give them the skills that they need for later on when they don't have our guidance. I love that idea of trial and error as well, that this isn't a one-size-fits-all. Unfortunately, there's no magic formula that we can apply to every household up and down the country and say, your child will work wonderfully like this. But what you've listed there are a few sort of tricks, things in the armoury, that can be applied and tried. And so it seems then that what becomes really important is to have that an ongoing conversation with your child about what is working and what isn't working. Yeah, that's it, which is very much a technique of, of agile project management. You know, we have this sense of the daily stand-up where you say to your teammates, what did you do yesterday and what are you doing today? 
But the crucial thing is what is getting in your way of your progress? And as a project manager, you take away those, those blockers and do something about them. But it's that sense of inspect and adapt that can be applied to so many different situations. You had a good revision day yesterday. Was that because you weren't tired? Was that because you were sitting in, the de in your desk in your room? Was that because you went to the library? I don't think you'll find a magic formula, but at least by discussing it, you might work out that to study French works really well in the library because there are books there that you can access, or to study maths, you prefer to do it on your own because you like to stick up post-it notes that you can refer to. And I'm sure there will be different combinations of those things for different subjects. But also this sense of it's okay to get it wrong. You know, we've all had days when there really was no explicable reason why you couldn't write the report you had to do. You just couldn't, and then that's okay. But to keep analysing, to keep reviewing, to keep trying new things is a great recommendation. That was a key when working this through with Jake, what feels like a lifetime ago now, was actually that aspect of no judgment. I think as parents, the parent-child conversation tends to come laden with emotion. That's because that's how our relationships are built. So if we're asking if they've done something, then there's this presumption that they should have. And so instantly the child might feel guilt. They might think that the parent's getting at them nagging, which is something quite common in households everywhere. Whereas actually, if you can sort of transcend that, if you can look at it like it's a thing, a deliverable, as you mentioned earlier, you can remove a lot of that judgment and really get to the heart of what's going on and maybe what's going wrong. Yeah, that's true. And as a project manager, you're trained really to think about what needs to be delivered, but not necessarily how, to be open about how. So as long as we get what we need, which is to achieve your best and fulfill your potential, the way that it can be done, and providing as long as it's safe and legal, you know, can flex. And to be open about that. And so, for instance, I could never do my work with the radio on or the TV on. I would just find it so distracting. But my husband's completely the opposite. And he just finds that's a way to settle to settle himself and zone into things. And that happens time and time again, the way that you work and the way that you get the best results. Recognise them and see what works and try and do it again. Key there, I guess, is that word results. So you've been clear about what success looks like and you're being honest about actually how well you're progressing towards it. Because we could be in a situation where your husband, for example, will convince you that he's best working with the TV playing and with a beer and <laughs> with all of these other things around. But actually, if he's not making demonstrable progress, then you still need to have a conversation about, actually, do you know what? I'm not sure this is necessarily working as well as you're suggesting or that you think it is. How do you go about having those kinds of difficult conversations without, again, looking like you're taskmastering? Yeah, that's hard, isn't it? Because you have so much emotional investment in this. And it's a hard step to take to take a step back but try it, you know, imagine in your head that this is a startup business and you need your child to fulfill their potential and that is the goal and see if you can play that role. I don't know whether you think of yourself as the person, the apprentice that's guiding the team, but how could you improve this situation? And as much as possible, focus on the facts and not on the emotion. What have we achieved? Was it what we wanted? How can we make it better? I did read somewhere that this was advice in talking with adults, that if you talk to someone as an adult, they're likely to respond to you as an adult. If you speak to someone as they're a child, similarly, they're likely to respond as they're a child. Now, I realise these are children, but they are, they're mature and you know, emotionally competent children. And sometimes it's hard for us as parents to realise that 
our baby grew up, they have got their own emotions, they know what they're doing, and they're invested in this as well. They want to do well on the most part. They want to do well. They want to get the best out of the efforts they're putting into their schoolwork. And what can we do to help them? We can keep suggesting things, keep analysing what works, and keep reviewing how we can make it better. I think that's absolutely right. I've yet to meet a student that's actively trying to do badly. I think it might just be that they're commonly, they're, they're just not sure where to start, they just don't know that they're getting the support or, or how to ask for it. And in some cases, there's a real frustration because the parent and the child typically want exactly the same thing and just not at a point where they can either see it or recognise it. And typically, one of them will have to climb down in order to be able to progress. Yeah, and I suppose there's a trust issue there, isn't there? And how can you prove that a revision session was successful? Because ultimately, the final exam is literally the exam. I don't have any magic advice for that. I suppose you have to put a bit of trust in the fact that, as you said, everybody wants the same outcome. And we're not necessarily going to know whether that was successful in many ways until the exam. But to culture an environment of growth and introspective analysis, I guess it's going to help. Sometimes reframing what that success can look like from a revision session or a study plan, if it looked at a week ahead, can be really important in helping keep the child motivated to keep going on. Because as you say, if your proof of the pudding comes from sitting my exam, which is going to be, well, obviously not this year, <laughs> next year or the year beyond, will be in around about the June period, and I won't get my results till August. For children and young people, this can feel like a, an entire lifetime away. Whereas if what we can do is help them to see actually sitting down to do the work was in itself successful, if the, the feeling that they get, that, that sort of that spurt of confidence, because actually they've done something that they didn't think they were going to do, can really help them spare on and sort of capture that as a way of, you want that, I'm going to go with euphoria, but I'm not necessarily always is. <laughs> but that, that really good feeling of, I didn't think I could do it, I have done it, and so I want to do it again. Absolutely, that's that sense of achievement, isn't it? Almost like a runner's high, that you set an intention, you followed through, and you were able to do everything you said you were going to do, and inevitably you will feel proud of what you've achieved. And I think once you set that habit, it's a lot easier to do that because you're no longer moving into the unknown, although you may be working in different subjects and you may be working with different techniques. You have set that mental framework of, I can take something... I can do it and I can complete it. And that makes me feel good. So as a project manager, you have worked on numerous different types of projects. And I think it's fair to say that you're not a subject matter expert. So you may have delivered apps, for example, for mobile phones, and you're not someone who could build an app for the mobile phone. Is that something that you think parents should take heart in, that actually we're helping our child to structure their revision? How well we did in our exams is then maybe neither here nor there. And actually the fact that we're not geography teachers shouldn't stop either. Absolutely agree, yeah. And I think one of the sort of crises you can have as a project manager is you can often feel you don't have any skills because as you say, you may have worked on something and your friends will say, I'd love an app or a website. And you think, well, don't ask me because I couldn't build one. Yet here you've been in the pub telling everyone what you've achieved. And <laughs> it's that sense of you managed the process and you had enough information to be able to identify what was going well and what wasn't going well. 
Similarly, yes, it doesn't matter how you did in your exams. It matters that you have life experience. You're able to identify what's going well. You know if your child's happy, if your child's distracted, if your child is restless, and you can try and explore with them how to make that better. You've also pretty much, as a parent, got control over their environment at home, which can really help them. You can give them a quiet space. You can give them freedom to work when suits them, you know, with the demands that you have of your family life. Yeah, and so I think those things are, are really useful. And, and thrown in with that, this sort of objectivity to work with them and to see if they are really making the progress that they wanted to. And you don't have to be a specialist to get those things right. Hmm. And we've heard before, actually, from other guests, which I think could come into play here, that actually being open as a person, as a parent with your children about things that maybe haven't gone so well for you can really help to shape and give context to our children and help reduce anxiety. So actually, if we haven't done as well as we'd hope to in our exams, then actually that can be a really good talking point with our children about actually, I wish I'd tried harder. I wish I'd been open to the possibility of being good at maths rather than just closing myself off and sort of talking about those opportunities with the children in a really positive and upbeat way. Yeah, I agree. And it's just nice for everyone. I mean, child or adult alike to know that they're not alone and they're not struggling with these sorts of things in isolation. And to hear that you had to try or you even had to reset things or whatever your personal experience was can certainly be framed in how are we going to learn from this? Not even don't make the mistakes I made because this isn't about you as the parent. This is about the child's experience. It's about how they can maximise their potential and get the results that they want and feel like the effort they put in was rewarded. And knowing that people make mistakes their parents they make mistakes and how they can learn from your experiences I think is really valuable what's hard of course is to think you're not doing it the way I would do it you're not doing it like me therefore it's wrong and unfortunately it may not be wrong it may be just exactly what they need and that is so hard to observe which of course is the really important part of this process is that by sharing times that haven't gone well let's talk about the other side we're talking about that in relation to why it's still worth going through this process and not writing off revision entirely and, and sort of leaving that to one side. It's about if things don't go well, you can change it. You can change tack. There's still time because the ultimate objective is, of course, fulfilling your potential. Yeah, and I think parents can offer real world examples in a way that maybe teachers feel they can't because they have to promote education as being positive, which of course it is, but it doesn't hurt to have a bit of realism in there. I really do remember asking as a child in my maths class, why are we learning Pythagoras? We are never going to use it. To which the maths teacher gave a few examples in professions where you may use it. And I think at the time I thought, this seems highly unlikely. And even my five-year-old has already clocked that there's a calculator everywhere. You know, why do you need to know these things when you can just pick up your phone or your watch or your computer? And I think parents have got that advantage of being able to be honest. Yes, of course. But there are also examples at supermarket. Perhaps you'd need to use mental arithmetic in order to work out if you had enough money to buy the things you need. I must admit, I can't quite think of an example for Pythagoras, but I'm sure other parents would be able to. And that sort of gives a relief and honesty that this is going to work for you and this is how it's going to work. And other parts of it, yeah, OK, maybe they're more edge cases. <laughs> for the reason to study Pythagoras and other maths, I would point you at the episode with Danny Quinn. Your five-year-old might be a little young. Maybe give it a couple of years and then point them at that episode. I'll make sure to check that out. <laughs> 
So thinking then in terms of projects that if you're dealing with big things, then they tend to be well documented. There are lots of meetings, there are lots of sort of palaver, I suppose, that people might imagine that's involved with them. And obviously they do come into place when you've got dozens of stakeholders across multiple departments and different sites. But I'm assuming that that's not the kind of rigour that you would need in something like this if we were to approach our children's study like it was a project to be fulfilled. Not at all. I mean, all that palaver, as you call it, is, is really to reassure people that we're going in the right way. Are we progressing? Are we meeting our goals? Is there anything that we need to worry about? And these sorts of things, whilst they may seem alien to a child, it's really the question of, you know, if this was a traffic light situation, would you be on red? Would you be on amber? Would you be on green? I remember using one thing with children, which I thought was really effective when I worked in a summer camp in America. And at the end of every day, we'd sit in a circle and talk about our roses and our thorns. And so the roses would be the positive things that had happened that day and the thorns would be negative things. And everybody would contribute, the adults and the children. And in many ways, that is what project managers are doing. They're constantly checking in. What are your roses? What's going well? What are your thorns? What can I help with? What isn't going well? Sometimes you can't fix every problem. Sometimes just acknowledging the problem exists and being there to be a sounding board is the way that you can make that problem disappear. Other times it's more practical things. I've run out of pens. My calculator doesn't work. You know, they're the easy ones to change. But a lot of the process of large multi-million pound projects are really to try and create an early warning system so that when things are going wrong, you get to know as soon as possible and then you can do something about it. Catherine, that was fantastic. Thank you so much for your time and for sharing your perspectives. Project management is a skill and it's an art, a blend of knowledge, behaviours and attitudes together with an aptitude for calm reaction. Now, personally, I've actually merrily managed fairly hefty projects in employment, but that didn't immediately translate to how I managed at home. At home, it was all very emotional and stressful, especially when things didn't go according to plan. Now, in retrospect, and having heard from Catherine, that was probably the very first stumbling block, that there was no actual workable plan. I'd simply overlaid my idea of what needed to be done to my child, Jake. In my mind, I knew what needed to be happening, but that clearly wasn't the same in Jake's view. Now, there could be a number of reasons for that, but the point is that there was no shared or common idea. And with the end of year exams, and for many thinking about using the summer holidays to start forward planning to GCSEs, we will find a more harmonious path if we take a more structured and pragmatic approach. Now this should, as Catherine advised, start by agreeing what the end point is and what the motivation is. In other words, what does success look like? Importantly, not just your version of success, but your child's version of success. Now, I can hear it now in voices up and down the country. Previous experiences are telling you that your child will resist any conversation along these lines. But with forewarning, you might just be surprised at how receptive they are. Again, Catherine talked about the danger of expecting them to act responsibly while treating them as children. And from my own experience, treating them as children can come in many forms and can also be quite subtle. Not giving them the agency to feel like they're involved is a big one. 
and the overwhelming majority of parents I've spoken to about this are pleasantly surprised to find how grown up their child's response can be. Critically, they are a stakeholder in Project Supporting Revising Team. You certainly can't do this without them. So what do you need to do to get them onside from outset? If you were about to ask for a pay rise at work, for example, you'd pick your moment and I'd suggest that this isn't any different. It might feel a bit strange taking the circuitous route around a problem like this when you feel that you know what the answer is, but this is part and parcel of helping them to engage and be part of the solution. But it is important that they find their own way here. After all, this is as much about learning to adopt good time management behaviours and good organisational habits as it is about performing as well as they can in exams. And what we will come across, something that might make us itch to take back the reins, is if things don't work out straight away. But this is at the very heart of our role in supporting our teams. Review and support to adjust by helping to remove the blockers. Now, I absolutely love Catherine's Roses and Thorns story, although in all honesty, if I'd have tried to use this specific analogy with Jake, it'd have looked at me like I'd lost the plot and probably walked out of the room laughing. However, the idea does remain. Tell me what went well. The roses, green lights or open goals perhaps. And then tell me what caused the issues. The thorns, the red lights, perhaps the offsides. Anything that encourages your child to reflect and to be open. And as Catherine importantly pointed out, key to being open is trust. And with us, myself and Jake, it was certainly that trust that I wasn't going to be judgmental. I do think that there's an inner project manager struggling to get out in all of us. While we might not be all comfortable managing full-blown corporate IT transformations, tackling project team and supporting them through their potential is absolutely something we can do. The whole study buddy approach is an adaptation of agile project management. The idea that you take deliverables things that need to be studied, for example, and then you allocate them to available time. It's a simple and straightforward, very deeply pragmatic way of approaching and breaking down revision. Now you can find out more about this method and how you can use it with your own child on our website. Feel free to visit thestudybuddy.com. And thank you for listening. I hope that you've enjoyed the break in looking at the 2021 exam position. Also, of course, I hope you found this episode useful as you come to look at supporting your own children, no matter what stage of schooling they're at. If you did, would you mind taking a moment to leave a five-star rating and perhaps a review too? It really does help us to reach other parents and spread the word on how they can support their own young people. Of course, sharing the link to this and other episodes with friends on social media is always very much appreciated. There'll be another episode next week, so please don't forget to subscribe or follow the Study Sessions podcast.